0: to the Undead Wookiee Podcast, episode 90, Bone Tomahawk from 2015. The Undead Wookie is a fortnightly-ish podcast focusing on horror and sci-fi, but there will be times when we dip into other genres, because here at the Undead Wookiee, our nerdiness knows no bounds. Hello and welcome back, I am your host as always, Hugh Lloyd, and before we introduce our very, very, very special co-host on this episode, let's check out the trailer the Bone Tomahawk from 2015.
1: Leave it right there. Bracing. This going to penetrate. Good evening. Civilized towns, you look a man direct in the face when you talk to him. This isn't comfortable. It's not supposed to be. <laughs> Here's a uh, situation. Serious.
0: Mrs. O'Dwyer was abducted. She is my everything, and those savages have got her. God knows what they're doing to her every second. They'll be delayed.
1: You know who did this? I don't have a name. How many of them do you think there are? It won't matter. You have no chance against any number of them. I'm, I'm coming with you. No, no, I need you here. And this is what a backup's for, to help in emergency, not stay back. I'm coming. We're making a five-day journey in three days, riding long and sleeping the bare minimum. I don't know what's west of here. No cattle trailer or anything else goes in that direction. If our horses die before we get there, or we go into hostile territory, weak and foggy with exhaustion, ah! we won't rescue anybody. Don't be scared. I am a friend. You aren't. You had no cause.
0: If you want to question my morals, do it later. Bless
1: us, O Lord, and these thy gifts, which we are about to receive.
0: We are back, ladies and gentlemen, and I am joined by the one, the only. The Doctor is in the house, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Mr. Dave Becker. How the devil are
2: you, sir? I am doing great. And thank you so much for inviting me back. Um, No, my pleasure. um, And talking about an awesome movie. I can't wait to to discuss this one because uh, it's only my second viewing. And it's only my uh, a year ago from this point. I hadn't seen it at all. Yeah. I can't wait to talk about this one.
0: Uh, now, when I was sort of, you know, I, 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 I was fortunate enough to have time to be able to watch this, you know, before, obviously, you know, down and watching it twice uh, mm-hmm. before the show. And one of the notes I've written down is, darling Clementine, this film isn't. Uh, yes. Oh, so,
2: no, not at all. <laughs> Not at all. This is not John Ford's West. No,
0: not in the slightest. I think it's fair to say that, you know, uh, there are moments that would possibly make Sam Peckinpah blush. Um, Yes. (laughs) And we are, of course, talking 2015's um, Bone Tomahawk. And this film just, it just blew me away. Totally blew me away. (laughs) It blew me away the first
2: time I saw it, and it actually got even st- stronger the second time yes. I saw it.
0: Yes. Um, this, of course, was directed by um, Craig Zahala, which bizarrely... I didn't realize this was his. This is his directorial debut. Yes, and he wrote it too. He wrote the screenplay for this and yep. directed
2: it. Yeah, yep. this was his directorial debut, and what a debut, my goodness. I mean, this thing is... Um, Uh, that's a hell of a thing to have on your resume Uh, because it it works so well as both a horror and a Western, because there are scenes that are just straight up Western yes, that work brilliantly. And then once it gets into the horror, which I think we get, it sort of bookends the film. Yes, It's like the, the horror bookends the film and in the middle, it's pure Western, but both of them match that genre. And these are my two favorite genres, Westerns and horror, horror number one, Western second, my favourite genres, and to blend them together, I'm always in. Like, even like the movie that came out this year, The Pale Door and yes, everything. Yeah, Whenever they're doing yeah. it, I'm in.
0: Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. And they they handled them both just brilliantly.
0: Now, the the other thing that I sort of, which completely shocked me about this, and then, you know, you look at this and you know, you look at the cast and you think, wow, Kurt Russell it's sold. And then you go, yeah. actually, Patrick Wilson's in this. Matthew Fox yes. is in this. Um, yes. Richard Jenkins is in, is in this, who I think is superb in this. Richard um,
2: Jenkins is, is my favorite performance in the film.
0: Um, oh, he's, he's he's wonderful. And then... Yes. Then I totally forgot, and I don't know how this happened because he is one of my favorite character actors. Sid Haig is in it. Yes, Sid Haig at the very beginning.
2: Is, and David Arquette.
0: And he's great. And, da- and David, David Arquette. That scene, and we'll come on to that in a second, but mm-hmm. on it, they're superb in it. absolutely Absolutely. superb and you've got um lily simmons is in this um Mm -hmm. and catherine morris is in this and um of course sean young pops up in this yes i i you know what and i was surprised to see that but yes she does (laughs) this is you know talk about an ensemble cast now you know like yourself horror is my favorite what my 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 favorite genre yeah um you know, I, and, but also I love Westerns. Yeah. I love Westerns. Um, and I mean, John my, Ford, John yeah.
2: Ford is one of my favorite directors and it's, it's so funny because he's won, I think four Academy awards, none for his Westerns. Yes. He won for grapes of wrath. He won for, um, uh, oh, what was this? What was the Scottish, um, uh, Oh, the quiet, oh, no, man. not was it the, uh, quiet well, man? the quiet man. The quiet man is the Irish. Yeah. one. He won for, he won for that movie. Um, oh God, I'm trying to think of, of, um, the one that he, uh, won for the, Oh, uh, hold on. I can actually find it out right here. Um,
0: or oh, the, uh, so there's the uh, informant. How, val- how, uh, well, right.
2: <laughs> how green was my valley? How green was my
0: valley? right. Now, how green was my valley? How green, I've got a slight bugbear with how green was my okay. valley. Okay. Because how green was my valley is Welsh. It's, it, it it's all about. It's yes. So that's right. And yes. obviously being Welsh um I kind of go. There's nobody Welsh in it. <laughs> yes, that's very true. <laughs> and and obviously it's it being in a mining valley, and mm-hmm. obviously and I come from a mining valley. Okay. Um It bears no resemblance to any Welsh mining valley it's, it's I've very ever yeah, known. this is is, is hollywood's version oh god yes welsh
2: mining valley that's what it is this is hollywood's version of it um and i'm not going to say you know obviously john ford is a brilliant director but and he's done war films he's done so many things but it's his westerns i think that that i mean the searchers is my favorite movie of the 1950s i absolutely love the searchers and even when you look at you know some of the some of the yeah some things might not work nowadays, but I think John Wayne it's his finest
0: performance Absolutely. is in the Searchers. And do you know what? One of the things that I, I I actually wrote down I think you could probably, in terms of double bills, I think mm-hmm. both I, I think the Searchers and then Bone Tomahawk afterwards would be a very, very interesting watch together. It would, because you know what, John, I mean, John Wayne plays a very dark character.
2: Ethan Ethan Edwards is a very dark character in The Searchers. Yeah. He's an anti-hero. He's the main character, but he is an anti-hero through the majority of that film. I mean, pretty much, I mean, I think, I think the very last scene is where he finally is maybe not an anti-hero, but he is an anti-hero through that entire movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I think one of the things that, and um, I mean, when you look at Kurt Russell, Kurt Russell is almost destined to 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 be perfect in a western, isn't he? He, he is, really is, yeah. And, and and there are times where you watch him, and you, and I think he's a better actor than John Wayne.
2: Um, mm-hmm. Oh, I do too. I, but I mean, John Wayne gave like uh, some really strong performances, but John Wayne also gave you know he was he was a he was what um rich little used to call uh like a star you have actors yes. you have stars yes. yes you have robert de niro is an actor he can disappear into a role yeah. he can disappear into vito corleone and the godfather part two yeah. and then jake lamada in raging bull jack nicholson is a star any movie Jack Nichols is in, and he's a great actor, he's always Jack Nicholson. Yes. He's always got that Jack Nicholson, whether it's The Shining, whether it's about Schmidt. Yeah. he's always Jack Nicholson, and that's John Wayne. Yeah, Kurt Russell is an actor because he can disappear. You know, it's Kurt Russell, but he can disappear into the role. Yeah, and I think he's. Did he make? I think this came out the same year as The Hateful Eight. Yes, if I'm not mistaken. Not far, yeah, yeah. Not so off. he had two two westerns the same year. Very great, very great performances and very different sort of characters in, in those two films. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's almost like Kurt Russell could
0: fit into the classic Western. He could have been Absolutely. like the John Wayne Absolutely. back in the 50s and 60s. Absolutely. And you can see, you can, you could, you, could, you could, I think you could make a very good argument that actually Kurt Russell is for th- this generation and previous generation is our John Wayne. He yeah. is, you know and you look at that but he's a like i said he's a much better actor uh, yes. than John Wayne and don't get me I, wrong me I'm in. a big fan of John Wayne I am too
2: I am too but I will agree with you 100 percent because you know you look at some of John Wayne's performances I mean um well the green Berets what <laughs> need I say yeah. more <laughs> you
0: know genghis Khan <laughs> yes exactly the greatest story well, ever told oh yeah. truly this this was the son of God oh he was quite literally <laughs> If he had had a horse and a cowboy hat on, yes. it probably would have been a more believable performance. Uh, exactly. Yeah, he
2: he was he was the first cowboy Roman centurion yeah. I think ever depicted on film.
0: <laughs> you know, um, but for for those who have not sort of seen uh, Bone, Tomahawk, how would you sum up the plot, Dave? OK, the, the, the basic plot is
2: um, and we'll, we'll leave the opening scene for now. We'll, we'll yeah. just sort of pick it up of when uh, David Arquette plays um, a criminal. He's a thief and he wanders into this western town, um, drawing the attention of the uh, deputy which uh, played by Richard Jenkins, an elderly mm. sort of uh, you almost get the feeling it's an honorary title that Kurt Russell is just sort of giving this guy something to do.
0: Yes. <laughs> you know?
2: yeah. not, it's not so much that he's a deputy because there's another deputy. This guy's sort of an honorary deputy. And and, and he's just, uh, you know, Kurt Russell feels kind of bad for him. And uh, going to give him some of the Richard Jenkins sees um, David Arquette's character burying something and said, yeah, he, uh, it, and, and he even tells Kurt it's, it's the opinion of the, of the deputy, the honorary deputy that, that his, his manner was suspicious. Yes. So they go to a bar, they confront David Arquette. They end up arresting him. They bring him to the, well, they shoot him in the leg yeah. and then arrest him, bring him to the jail. And they go to call the doctor, uh, who I guess we're led to believe is the town drunk. So he's the doctor slash town drunk. And he's, already drunk by the time uh, they get there. So they have to um, call in the wife of um, Patrick Wilson, Patrick Wilson's wife,
1: yeah.
2: uh, who is a, um, who has medical knowledge. She's called in uh, to remove this bullet and um, she's going to be in the jail for a while to remove the bullet from uh, David Arquette's leg. Uh, and uh, Kurt Russell tells his uh, actual deputy, Hey, you wait here with her, walk her home when she's done. Um, and everyone leaves for the night. The next morning they go, the jail is empty. The prisoner's gone. Uh, the, the, um, the uh, Patrick Wilson's wife is gone and the deputy is gone. And it turns out they were abducted by a native American tribe, but it's not a regular native American tribe. It is a tribe, uh, that dwells in a cave. They bring in, um, their, um, uh, I guess a scout advisor, who is a native American and they show him the arrow that was left at the scene, you know, Kurt Russell's character. And, and this guy says, yeah, these are, uh, we call them troglodytes. Uh, you, you might look at them and say they're, um, they're native American and, but they're, they're not really part of any tribe. And they said, well, will you guide us there? And this guy's like, absolutely not. I'm not going anywhere. am I going anywhere near them. <laughs> you know? Um, so he, he pulls out a map, he shows them where it is. They're joined by, um, it's Kurt Russell, his deputy, honorary deputy, Richard Jenkins. Yeah. Uh, Patrick Wilson goes along because his wife has been abducted and Matthew Fox of Lost. I mean, you see Matthew Fox, you think lost.
0: Yeah, I absolutely. Lost
2: anyway. But what a good performance he gives. Oh, God. Film.
0: And, I, you know, one of the things I, you know, watching his performance is he's so dislikable. He's he's dislikable,
2: but he knows he's dislikable.
0: Yes. You know? And he sort of he, revels in it. He
2: does. You get the feeling like he even says at one point, he's like, uh, well, you know, you're not a married man. I think he's having a talk with Richard Jenkins, yeah. no woman would want you. And he goes, actually there are eleven married women in the town who want me Yeah, know? <laughs> And Patrick Ross was like, Okay, enough of that talk, you know? <laughs> and it's
0: yeah, and I think, you know, when you like you said, Matthew Fox, um, I think People automatically think him of it as the, because of Lost. I mean, he did a hundred and, I think it's 115 episodes of Lost. Yes,
2: yes, yes.
0: Um, and he was the
2: main character. He and was he, the yeah. lead
0: character in that series. And I think people sort of automatically think of him as the pretty boy lead. Yes. Um, but actually, he's done some really good stuff since then. I mean, he's done, you know, I think he, this is probably uh, the best that he's been in. But I also love him. Is It Exist's? Um, the... is that the,
2: the Bigfoot movie yeah
0: yeah yeah the... oh is absolutely it... where it's a, sort of that... like a post-apocalyptic kind of uh, landscape uh, where it's frozen oh maybe
2: not maybe maybe I'm thinking of something that exists I'm thinking of the Eduardo Sanchez found footage yeah that's, that, that, I don't think... that's
0: a different one no um... that's a different one what's yeah. the name of it um oh god it'll come to me now um Extinction Extinction oh
2: Extinction okay yes
0: alright um and I think he's absolutely, and again, he plays a really dislikable character in that. Um, mm-hmm. But in this, it's such a good performance.
2: It really is because, and you get the feeling because he says, I'm the smartest man. Uh, I'm the smartest one here. Yes. Um, on the posse, on this small posse, this four-man posse. And you get the feeling, you know what? He's probably right. He probably <laughs> is the smartest one there. He's not, you don't like him. Um But you do... It's funny because you don't like him, but you respect him. Because the decisions he makes, sometimes they cross the line of... There's that moral ambiguity to a lot of what his character does in the film. I mean, I'm thinking of the scene where they're approached by these uh, these Mexicans. Yeah. And what he does, you're thinking, you know what? The guy's a bastard, but he's probably right.
0: Yeah, and it's just (laughs) how... how cold and calculated he is. Right. That moment where they sort of cross, you know, what he said, you know, Kurt Russell is saying, like the match. And he's being very, very cautious and he's watching and watching him. And he tells the one guy to throw his gun. He, the one guy throws his gun and then suddenly goes, bam, 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 bang, bang. And he kills right. them.
2: and that's it. Yes, he kills them. And then Kurt Russell turns his gun on him. Yeah, or Matthew Fox and and Richard Jenkins does sort of hesitantly, but he's got the rifle on him. Yeah, and and everyone puts it down, and Matthew Fox says, "Look, they were probably part of a raiding party. They were here to scout us, and um and Caruso, you had no, you know, you had no business doing it." And he's like, "Well, I'm," he's like, Matthew Fox, is "like I'm standing by what I did. You yeah. know, I think I did the right thing." Um, and it turns out he probably did do the
0: right yeah. thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah absolutely because it does because later on in the film um sort of patrick wilson's character who's got a broken leg throughout the entire yep. film sort of comes round and sees like um uh one of these sort of part of this raiding party is sort of stabbing matthew fox he's, he's on top of him stabbing him and he shoots him and then you realize he was right yes exactly
2: exactly that he did
0: do the right thing you know it's uh it's a wonderful, wonderful portrayal of a of quite a complex character. Yeah, he really is because
2: you're not not real sure about him at first. He's sort of just hanging in the bar. He's almost like a background character. Yeah. Um, and the early scenes, uh, he's hanging at the bar, sort of in the background, while Kurt Russell is, um, uh, you know, talking to David Arquette's character and and then sort of feeling him out. Kurt Russell's very no nonsense as the sheriff. Yeah. You know, he's just a, he's, he's he's almost like like he that's what makes him the John Wayne. He's the man's man. Yes. And in, in this film, I mean, uh, there's a scene where he's going out and he's forming this posse. He's got to go out and his wife is trying to talk him out of it. Like there are limits to what's the sheriff's responsibilities. And then he goes, I'm going. Yeah. And let's not have words about it. I'm going. That's all there is to
0: it. And when you see and like even and sort of even though he's quite sort of he's still very loving towards his wife he's still very human but you clearly yeah you know, this is a man who has very very everything in his world is black and white yes you were right yes. you're wrong bad, and black that, and white right. exactly that's it and you know and i one of the things i love in this throughout this film is the dialogue how it is so fitting for the period it is very, yes. very much of that pe- of that period, and like even when the the bar tent the barkeeper comes to report that that you know the the jail is empty and mm-hmm. he's found the stable hand who's been murdered and mm-hmm. the horses are gone and they ask his wife and his wife they ask his wife to leave the room before he gives the gory details. It's, right. It's and it's these little authentic touches. And I love that. I, that's
2: one of the things I loved about the movie. It, uh, another movie that came out, it was a few years before this, was um, that had that same sort of dialogue. I think one of the strengths of its um, you know, great performance is True Grit. Yes. The Coen Brothers' True Grit from 2010.
0: Oh, and it's it, it a stunning film to look at. It is an absolutely my, stunning film.
2: Absolutely. As much as I am a fan of the John Wayne version, their True Grit blows it out of the water, I think. I think, And and part of it is, is Haley Steinfeld, Yes. Gives the greatest child performance ever in a movie in True Grit. I'll say that right now. Yeah, the greatest child performance ever was given by Haley Steinfeld in the Coen Brothers True Grit from 2010.
0: This what, movie, that's I'm so sorry, much. I that's so much. I this is how much I love True Grit. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm teaching media and I'm teaching cinematography, um, I show um parts of True Grit. And the one scene I show is where they find the man hanging, uh, in the in the woods.
2: That is a beautiful scene, but you're right. I mean, it's it's troubling because they see this guy hanging there. But what a beautiful sequence! Is that when it's snowing? Yeah. Is that when no, like no, no, no. When they're
0: in the woods and everything is dead. Oh, everything's dead. Yes. Everything. Yes. And, okay. and, and like you can sort of. And what I love about that film, and and it's very much the same. And I think it's very very typical of the Western. because I think the Western is. Um, you've got genre films and mm-hmm. then you've got westerns, which is, again, is a genre film. But it's sort of there is something that sets the us apart. Mm-hmm. It is almost like it's sort of um, it has a, a sort of different pedigree to all of the sort of uh, all of the sort of um, to genre it's, films.
2: It, it's interesting because, yes, it does. There, there's a beauty to the West. You can make a beautiful film about the West. Yeah. But the bottom line is it was lawless. I mean, I, the old the old West was was I mean, you think about like Wyatt Earp and everything. I mean, he, he was he, he there were times he was more vigilante than he was a lawman. Absolutely. You absolutely. know, and there was a lawlessness to it. So it, you, you have that. It, it, it's a conflict that you can explore. You can make a beautiful Western at the same time, make this, um, uh, you know, ver- very, very, uh, Sort of guttural, very um, uh, down and dirty story, but but shoot it beautifully, and um, I think True Grit does that absolutely. I and I does think that
0: what I love about that that scene is it's a brilliant example of cinematography telling the story. Yes, and it tells the story from that when from that from where that camera is at that low angle. And it's moo and it is it it's gliding along and everything around it is dead and all the colors are muted but they're still beautifully lit. It's all natural yes. light, and you can th- that from just that moment you can th- you know this film is about death. Mm-hmm. That's what that film you know. the True Grit is a story about death and how you can't escape it, whether it's at the at the end of a rope or whether it's after a gunman who's coming to look for you because you've done something wrong. Yes, but there's a beauty in it.
2: There is, there is, and the dialogue in that movie is beautiful. Oh God! The dialogue yes. in that movie is—it's some of the best. Haley Steinfeld, uh, Haley Steinfeld, uh, Steinfeld—I think it's Haley Steinfeld. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Has a scene um, where she's uh, talking about her, her 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 late father's ponies or these horses, and she's debating with this guy, um, and you're just listening to her, and you're like, my God, she is in every single scene. This little girl is the smartest
0: person around absolutely He's the smartest
2: person in every single scene
0: and then when we come to bone tomahawk there is still this this sort of this sparse beauty to the film
2: yes there is even as dark as it is and absolutely. as terrifying as it becomes in the final sequence um
0: there is a beauty to it absolutely benji Bashke is the cinematographer on this and there's a mo- there's a there's a scene where patrick wilson's character is catching up with Kurt Russell and the rest of the posse, you've gone off, um, mm-hmm. because he couldn't keep up no longer because he him his leg is you know he's he's, he's hurt his leg because he's tried to punch Matthew Fox's character and he's fallen right, over you're right right and, <laughs> and he's just rebroken his leg, um, <laughs> but he gets to the top of this hill, and the light is sort of just is, is sort of I think the light is just is is not quite at its peak, and it's mm-hmm. it's just so beautifully framed
2: it it really is yeah
0: yeah and i think if you was to sort of almost like typify part of the western that that, that scene is the, is like the class is like the iconic western shot you know and you mm-hmm. if you think about like uh john ford and monument valley and those kind of things yes. The that's the classic shot there and mm-hmm. we get that here we get all of these brilliant western you do
2: it's it's John Wayne framed in the door in the Searchers.
0: Yes, is what it
2: is. That's 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 that scene. That that scene with Patrick Wilson. You're right. That's that moment.
0: You know that is that that is the quintessential cowboy moment, isn't it? Right. Yes. Absolutely. And, I mean, and then what I absolutely love is that we get the we like you said we've got this clear Western moment, and then we get to the to the last you know the last quarter of the film, Ooh. and actually the last quarter of this film probably has more in common with something like Sergio Martino's um, slave, of the can- uh, slave of the Cannibal God. Or, yeah, right. Or Zombie <laughs> Holocaust. Right. Or, or like uh, Dr. Butchers" as it's also known, than it does yes. with, like, Dances with, dances with Wolves. Uh, <laughs> no
2: doubt about it. I mean, um, let's put it, the, the, the,
0: for me, the key
2: line in the movie is spoken by, richard jenkins character and it's after they're in this after they've been sort of um captured yes. by this native american tribe and they end up in a cave he just goes we're in hell yes and for me i always there, there are two two things that the, the two bits of dialogue i always remember from this film are richard jenkins we're in hell and then with the wife with patrick wilson's wife um when Kurt Russell and and um, this is again in that same sort of sequence and Richard Jenkins is like, don't worry, we're here. And she's like, well, I'm sure my husband came with you They're like, well, we've left him a trail to get here. And she's like, you left him a trail to get here. And and Kurt Russell, is like, well, we didn't know what it was like. We had no idea. You know, we, we couldn't have known what this was like. And she goes, you're idiots. Yeah. She goes, the problem with the West, the problem of surviving the West. It's not the natives. It's not dealing with the frontier. It's the idiots. Yes,
0: <laughs> and I love the fact that both Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins, for as rough and as tough and as gruff as Kurt Russell's character is in this, and even though you know, and we find out even though because Richard Jenkins' character Chickory in this is very—he doesn't stop talking. Yes, he doesn't I mean, stop talking, and he's very... I, I,
2: the, the dialogue with him and Kurt Russell. You're laughing. Yes, what absolutely. He's talking about half the but, <laughs>
0: When she starts calling them idiots, and the penny drops for them, they both almost reduce to schoolboys.
2: Exactly, like Bart, Bart, sort of putting their heads. Down. Yeah,
0: <laughs> and they, and like you, you know, you you look at the absurdity of that scene because they've just watched somebody being—I think it was—I think uh, mutilated—is the most uh,
2: Yes, it's one of it's it's uh, because you get to know the character a little bit. Yeah. It's heartbreak. It's heartbreaking in a way and just as incredibly because because there's no malice in his murder. It's just like okay, again, well, I guess we're getting into spoilers here. It's cannibals yeah. and they need food. Yeah. For them it's 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 a food supply. So there's no malice. Maybe with the initial sort of scalping. Yeah, well, that yeah. was you get you get the feeling of that. That was the one sort of throwback to a Native American, you know, uh, sort of stereotype. Yes. But his actual murder is just straight up. Okay, let's hang him up here. We now have our food for a while. But it's so difficult to watch. And Kurt Russell shouts something at the last second. Yeah. And then Richard Jenkins is like, they're not real. That's not true. Right. It's not really.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And he's like, I mean, essentially what they do to him is they scalp him. Yes. They force a chisel down his throat. Right. And then they hang him upside down and then they cut him in a half.
2: It's like it's like a half, it's like a side of beef. Yes. Is what they're creating, yes.
0: Yes. And um, there's Brutal. this, it, it, it is just, you spend the, you know, don't get me wrong, there are, there are flashes of action, action and violence in this film. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even the opening to this with David Arquette's character
2: Yes, very much so. And Sid Haig's character—you know—that that's yeah. a great opening. I mean, we haven't talked a lot about that. Sid Haig is not in this movie for long, but it's a very, very memorable sequence. At the—it's the first sequence in the film, and, and his character, yeah, um, much smarter than David Arquette, but that doesn't save him. That's the interesting part. Yeah, he's the smarter of the two. There's no doubt about that. Sid Haig's character is the smarter of those two. Yes. Yes. But yeah, David Arquette's the one who makes it out alive.
0: And like, but one of the things I wrote down is the fact that, you know, what we've got here is you've got two stone cold um, killers and thieves. um, Mm -hmm. And in that scene, you've got David Arquette and and he's rummaging through their stuff. And he's going through the books and he's checking, looking for money and those kind of things. And then he throws the books in the fire and then he says about don't mm-hmm. throw in the Bible on this bad Like The conversation they have is very eloquent. It really is, you know, and, and because because he's like all oh, they got is
2: books and Sid and Sid Haig's like, Well, you know, go through the pages. They might put money in there. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and it's like Sid I mean, I I'm a big fan of Sid Haig. I and, am too. And it's it, it he's gone far too soon. Yeah, you know, what? far too soon. I,
2: I I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I think yeah you look at a lot of what he's done, all the way back to Spider Baby in the sixties. Yeah. Um, going through, um, you know, he did a few other things with, um, uh, Jack Hill. Uh, yeah, he did. Coffee. Know, coffee, coffee, and and, um, pit stop. Yeah. and all of these other films that that he did. Um, and then just going into, uh, you know, he he would always pop up every now and again. You know where. He plays a a, bar, a bartender and uh, was it a bartender and a I don't know he plays a bartender in was it Kill Bill yes and yes know, go, yeah 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 he yeah. plays a, a judge in Jackie Brown yeah so Quentin Tarantino gave him some roles and then of course Rob Zombie uh, just sort of resurrected him and gave him what I think is one probably one of his greatest roles of all time is Captain Spaulding
0: yes and I mean it's, um, it's House iconic of
2: Corpses yes it's it iconic really is.
0: absolutely. Um... And you know, Sid Higg doesn't get the credit for being the, such a great character actor. One no, of my favorite doesn't. Roger Corman um, movies is it for the Forbidden Planet, not Forbidden Planet. Yes, um,
2: yeah. It Forbi- no, um, uh, the um, is it or is it the one uh, not Forbidden Planet? I know which one. It's the Alien rip-off. The one, it's the one with um, Aaron Moran. Yes. And
0: oh god, what's that? Galaxy.
2: Galaxy. Uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, terror, the, Galaxy of Terror. The, Galaxy yeah, of yeah. Terror. I think it is. Yes.
0: And his yeah. character is like almost mute in that film. But yes. he's such a presence, mm-hmm. and I mean, I was watching this. You know, when I was watching this, and I was uh, my exact words were "Sid Haig." Yes, it's Sid Haig, <laughs> and I'd always find myself going, "It's Sid Haig." Yeah, you know, and he's because he's just because he's so quite good. a big guy as well. Mm-hmm. But and but yeah. his physicality of his characters is there, um, and David Arquette and him together are superb they really
2: are and you get the you know they get the feel that uh, Sid Haig is definitely the one in charge David Arquette would not be alive if it wasn't for Sid Haig You yeah. even see that in a, yes. in, in a yeah. moment early on that Sid Haig is the reason that David Arquette is still alive and kicking so once Sid Haig what happens to him and then you, you get the and, and you find it with David Arquette's character yes that he's not gonna make
0: it <laughs> No, he's no. just
2: not gonna, he's, he's just not smart enough.
0: He's and the fact <laughs> to that, make it, and what I love is you don't even though you don't see his death, mm-hmm. they have the conversation. And he says, Oh, well, what about the other What about Buddy? And he and and uh, sort of Patrick Wilson's wife says, They ate him, right? And that's and it, that's all they ate him, that's
2: all you get. They they ate him. And it's kind of a fitting end to that character. Absolutely, it and really this... is because he's—you he's, get the—you you just look at him and you're saying, "How did this guy live as long as he did? He's yes. just not too bright."
0: And like <laughs> the scene after uh, we've witnessed uh, the poor deputy being sort of filleted, yes. um, you see the, the one like sort of troglodyte then eating his leg right walking yes. around just eating well, his leg was like like a
2: turkey, like a turkey okay. leg yeah. he's holding it like a turkey leg <laughs> just like oh my god it's just that that's when i mean this that that's the horror. that's where the horror comes in is is these are not so much native americans as they as they really are it's almost like a combination of a, a tribe of Native Americans and the, the creatures from the descent. Yes. It's like a combination yeah. of the two of them. Um, and, a very, and the way that they communicate with each other is what is chilling. I mean, when you hear that sound, even yes. when it's in the distance, as characters are just walking, it's chilling. Yes. It's like this howl. And yes. that's the moment when that one character howls. That's the moment when Rich, um, Richard Jenkins is—he's ca- like, we're in hell.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah. When, when he's doing that, and that, and like one of them has tusks implanted into his face. Yes, and I mean, it's re- you know, like I said, we we go from um, you know the great west, the great western, to um, something you know to some sort of like euro horror. Shot in the Philippines because right and and like, the body <laughs> horror in this, you know, Oof. we haven't even touched on like the fact that the, the what they do to their pregnant women.
2: Uh, exactly that that they're just there for one purpose.
0: Yeah, and they they they're, they've amputated their legs, they've and blinded them. In
2: their eyes, yeah. Oh. oh, it's awful. It's true. It's it's it's, and you only see it briefly because I think um you know yeah. Patrick Wilson's wife fills them in. Yeah, I think there's like maybe a dozen males, maybe more. So that's the number they're going on. The twelve of them, and there are two pregnant females, but they're blind and crippled. They're yeah, not, you know. And and then you finally get to see them, and you're just kind of like, this isn't. This is like, um, it really is a, a combination of a Native American tribe and troglodytes. Yeah, these 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 cave dwellers. You know, it's it's a very interesting sort of hybrid. Uh, between the two of them, because out in the open, they are even in the scenes where the characters get the better of them when they're yeah. out like and these characters are running towards them, they're so fast, and you're kinda yeah. like it's pure it's pure luck at
0: sometimes that especially there's one where
2: Patrick Wilson is just laying
0: there, yeah, and I love the fact that you know he's lying there, he's shooting, he manages to shoot one of them. And then he's Mm -hmm. shooting the other one. He misses three times. He shoots the the guy's bow in half on his last one. (laughs) He misses misses him completely. And then he's frantically reloading his gun. And then just as this guy is about to bring a bone tomahawk crunching down on him,
2: (laughs) he manages to get a shot off. He gets a shot off, right, exactly. And then he realizes what probably helps him is that he he realizes that this guy has something in his throat? Yeah, this is the communicating. And I don't know about you, but I was cringing that whole time oh. he was digging that thing out.
0: Oh, and it just made me think: How did they get it in there? Right, every single one of them have it. How did they get it in? There? <laughs> now we, you know, I mean, we've talked about um Kurt Russell, and I think his performance in in, in this is is amazing. Yes. One of the things I wrote down for Patrick Wilson, and I'm a big Patrick Wilson fan, mm-hmm. is charisma.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. I think he's got I think his character in this film has that because he's the only one of everyone in the posse who, who has a um uh. what am I trying to say here? I I, I don't like a goal, but the goal is not even the right word. I mean, he's there for a reason. I mean, his wife has been kidnapped.
0: Absolutely. He, you know, it is, and it's very clear that, you know, and it's established that very early on that he loves his wife. Yes. And like, you you get this moment where she asks him to read the letter and he's all embarrassed about it. And then he takes the letter with him to read to her. And it's clear that, you know, you know, he loves his wife and he's absolutely and you know broken leg and all he's willing to drag himself through the desert
2: and and the scene we were talking about is funny because the scene we were talking about where she was calling kurt russell and richard jenkins idiots you know when they're finally in the cave she even says my husband's no better yeah (laughs) i told him not to go up on that roof yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) absolutely (laughs) absolutely and you know it's it's like these are the West. these are the guy these are the west the westerners the Western part, like Kurt Russell, Richard Jenkins, Patrick Wilson, they're in the they're, they're the Western. They're the yes. Western characters. They're the tough, sort of uh, rugged John Wayne types. Yeah. And then Patrick Wilson's wife is the one who sort of sees them as that and realizes, you guys aren't all that bright.
0: No, <laughs> you, know? you know, it is, I mean, what's really interesting, I think, about this, and if you were to really break the themes down in this film, you could almost say that they are... It's savagery versus a different kind of savagery. Mm-hmm. You have yeah. you've got these these cave dwellers who are brutal and heartless. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they mute they take people, they mutilate them and they eat them and they do horrific things to their own, let alone anyone else. Mm-hmm. And then you've got you've got the Westerners who are just as savage, but in a completely different way, and in sort of what we would call like savage, you know, um, sort of we would kind of justify it, you know, from the moment sort of Matthew Fox's character Bruder just shoots those Mexicans, yes, and then but then he oh, he also admits to killing a hundred and sixteen Indians, Native Americans, right, and including wonder... men, women, and children, exactly,
2: and that and he even, he even even comes out. and they said that. Uh, you know, and they ask him why. I was like, well, if you've ever, you know, uh, if you've ever, he's asked me about what was it, his his
0: his mother, his and mother and his sister.
2: sisters. Yes, his mother and sisters, and um, and it makes quite an impression on a ten year old boy. You just get the feeling that this guy has seen some awful stuff, and that's the reason he is the way that he is. Yeah, but it's also sharpened him to the yes. point that he really is the smartest one of that group.
0: Yeah, yeah. And the sort of you know this idea that sort of you know you when you look back at films like how the West was won mm-hmm. how, you know everybody's very gallant um she wore a you know she wore a yellow ribbon, yeah, yep. um you know everybody's very very gallant the idea is 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 this romantic west, but actually what we've got is 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 two groups of savages um one maybe slightly better than the other right um but still willing to do awful things. Exactly.
2: This is this is this isn't the West of she she wore a yellow ribbon. This is the West of the Searchers. This is John Wayne's yeah. character in the Searchers. He is the Matthew Fox, Kurt Russell, even to a degree, Patrick Wilson in this movie because they are they are willing. Like you said, they're willing to do whatever it takes to yeah. to get to to where it is. But but yet they. And it's funny watching this movie again because you see them doing everything like it's a normal Western. Yes. But then thinking on that last sequence that they have no idea what they're walking into.
0: No, no. And nothing goes to plan. Right. And
2: it can't. You know, you know, knowing what you know the second time through, you're like, they don't have a clue. There's their plan. They can plan all they want. They can get everything. To, it doesn't matter. They are going up against. Yeah. Monsters is yeah. what they're going up against it's from, you know, from 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 the point of view of of from their point of view, from our point of view. These these are monsters. Yes. That they're facing off against. But they're 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 monsters that are highly skilled at what they do also, yeah. because they are also brilliant hunters. Yeah. And you see that when they go into the town.
0: Yes. Yes. Well, you well, that's the thing. It's just shadows. Right, it's just shadows, and even in that first kill, where Sid Hey gets hit with an arrow, and then he's he's getting chopped up, you don't see you it you you blink and you miss the character because he's just complete complete. It's, a, it's it's just a shadow.
2: Right, and it, they they move so fast. Yes, and they just because they're so good at what they do, and that's why you 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 know as a second viewing you're just like these guys are marching. To their to to what very well could and for some of them is their doom, and yeah. they have no idea that all the planning, all of this, all the maps, all of the here's what we're going to do, we're going to rescue. They have they just this,
0: they're not going up you against know, their normal sort of threat. no. And even the um, you know, the plan of poisoning them, yeah, goes horribly wrong.
2: It goes, it goes horribly wrong, and and you and even later on, you kind of see because of. There's a scene with uh, that, what they call the repeater rifle. Yeah. That's just so tough to watch. I mean, uh, you know, uh, and then first off, what happens with the flask is probably worse.
0: I mean, you know, (laughs) essentially, you know, they drag Kurt Russell's character out from out from his cage. Mm -hmm. They cut him open and then they insert the flask that had his... been sitting in a fire yeah they've been sitting in a fire this thing has got to be molten almost yeah and i mean i actually there was a moment i was like not kurt russell yeah exactly
2: you know you're looking at it but what a great final scene he has yes in this one because you know patrick wilson's are you going to make it sure no yeah you know it's 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 one of those great final moments, than the one with him and, and Richard Jenkins' character. Yes,
0: yes. Um,
2: that that final, and finally, Kurt Russell's. They, it's like you know, they want to say more to each other, but Kurt Russell's just like waves him off. Go no, now, just go.
0: And he just, uh, there's, just a, go. there's a really heart touching, like, a heartfelt line, where he says, "Say goodbye to my wife, and I'll say hello to yours." Yes,
2: exactly. That's a great line. What is what an you know? It's like almost brings a tear to your eye at that moment. You know that that yeah. line. Um, because you know how much Richard Jenkins' character was really dependent on his wife.
0: Oh, and you can you know? see that. You can you totally see that, and you see how much even for in the beginning, the opening, he's a total mess
2: Yeah. because he doesn't sleep.
0: He doesn't, really sleep. He doesn't right. sleep, and he's four hours a yeah.
2: night. He says that several times. I sleep four hours a night most. I mean, if we, <laughs> and
0: I sort of you know if we sort of make parallels with other sort of westerns, he's like the sort of stumpy character from Rio Bravo, right? Just he's useless. <laughs>
2: exactly. I to think, and some. I to think, you laugh out loud at some of the conversations, like, he, you know, he's, they're laying down, they're trying to go to sleep and, um, you know, they're, they're out under the stars and then they're, they're just they're sleeping on the ground. And, and Richard Jenkins goes to Kurt Russell. It's like, you ever read a book in the bathtub? You ever try to read a book in the bathtub? Yeah. And Kurt Russell's character is like, I said, Kurt Russell's like, I, I, I don't, I'm not sure I understand the question. Yeah. <laughs> what what are you getting at here? And he says, well, I, 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 I read a book, but, you know, I sometimes drop it in or I get the pages wet when I turn the pages <laughs> as I'm laying in the tub. And Curl's like, I don't understand the drive to to dive into literature while you're sitting in the tub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Mr. Like, well, it's just so comfortable in there, but you get tired of staring at your toes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they have one later on, after all, all everything has hit the fan, yeah. About a flea
0: about a flea circus. I love that. And that is such a brilliant, it's such a brilliant piece of dialogue. And it's such a, it's a wonderful touch of acting. Because it is. Richard Jenkins' character is almost, he's almost
2: childlike. He really is. In a lot of ways, he's he's childlike. He's, he's and he, you get the idea, he's been in the war. Yeah. Uh, and Because and of the things that they've seen, like the, the, with the deputy yes. in front of the cage, as it's it's you get the feeling that it affected Kurt Russell a little more than it did Richard Jenkins because he might have seen something like that before, having been a um, a, a medic, I guess, yeah. in the war. He's yeah. probably seen stuff that's been close to that.
0: Yeah, yeah, and he talks about sort of amputating uh, Patrick Wilson's leg. Yes, um, and that that's a great moment, mind you, where they just yeah. sort of they they had you know sort of Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins, their characters have decided they're going to just amputate his leg. Right. And Patrick Wilson has very little say in that. Right, right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, that's a great scene. But, uh, But again, the scene with the flea circus. Yes. I think what I like about that is you know, it's, it's, it's at a time when they're at their, their lowest. I mean, these characters know that they're probably not going to survive this at this point unless, unless like, amazing things happen and then they get lucky. They're not giving up. No. But they know they're basically, like Richard Jenkins says, they're in hell. And he yeah. starts talking about a flea circus that he went to. Yeah. And, and he's talking about how his wife said that it's a contraption and it's all faked. But they even gave us a magnifying glass to look at the fleas. And I told her not to say it because... Fleas, maybe you know you don't know what they can hear, and you don't want to upset them, and you don't want to you know, upset they, the
0: performers.
2: You don't want to upset the performance. You know <laughs> they drink off of a dog, and dogs can hear. So who knows if a flea can hear? And he's saying all this crazy <laughs> stuff. Kurt Russell's just looking at him, and then Patrick Wilson's wife in a cell across the way goes, "Oh yeah, I saw that. Most flea circuses, there is a you know there is yeah. a, a sort of fixing them." But I think that one was real I'm saying because I knew it I knew it but you know she's just saying that yes because there's a, a look that passes between her and Kurt Russell even yes. in this dark moment there's like this almost like this hint of a smile between the two of them yeah that they've just made this guy's day
0: yeah, yeah. he's
2: completely wrong his wife was completely right but yeah. they've just made him his day saying yes the fleas were actually pulling the cannon out onto the battlefield
0: <laughs> and his character. <laughs> Never. And I love the fact that these fleas had a had a battlefield, right?
2: <laughs> and the fact that he's just so happy
0: about that. I know it. I know it. <laughs> and it's the, the fact that his character never has a bad word to say about anyone.
2: Yes, absolutely. He's you know, like you said, he's the most childlike character in the movie, and the and you almost get the feeling that the fact that he survived this.
0: Yes yes now is saying something this you know i think you know in terms of the sort of i don't get me wrong i like i enjoy a downer of an ending mm mm-hmm. mhm however i think it would have been absolutely crushing if this film had a total downer of an ending
2: i agree with you i agree with you i think that i think the de- the the ending is dark enough as it is Yes, without going total darkness.
0: Oh God! You know, at the very end, it's you know there are there are very few films where you you know where you leave, uh, you leave going oh, all oh, right, okay, thank you for
2: that. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Because as as bad as things get, and you you know you, you sort of mourn several characters in this film. Yeah. At the very end of it, there's that little bit of a light of of, of okay, you know what. It was a it, it wasn't a great ending, but it wasn't the worst ending we could have possibly.
0: Had. No, no. And I mean, it's it, the and what I like, you know, you, you look at Richard because I suppose Richard Jenkins, character in this is the heart of the film. He is yes. the soul of the film. And um, like you said, his performance is central to the whole thing it's an ensemble piece but his performance is central to the whole thing because he's the one through line that goes from the beginning to the end he's the one who pointed out the drifter he's the one who pointed
2: out the david arquette character and said that whole story he's the one who set the whole story in motion yes and he's there right to the end yes he sees it through he's there at every key moment in this movie yeah even if he's just in the background he's there and his character you know when you think of the likable characters, you like Kurt Russell in this movie, you yeah. like Patrick Wilson, but Richard Jenkins' character is the one that you almost relate to, and you're almost like, this guy, you just, if, if anybody's got to make it out, you'll want to see Richard Jenkins'
0: And you know what I love? I love the fact that this is such a great character performance. You mm-hmm. also forget that Richard Jenkins was in Step Brothers. Oh, my God. And you know what?
2: Probably my favorite my favorite moment in Step Brothers involves Richard Jenkins. Yeah. Well, there's two of them. There's one where his son is saying, "You know, don't get married. We we shit with the door open. Yeah. We yeah. we <laughs> we go to Vegas and score chicks. We do all the. Richard Jenkins we 'We've literally never done any of those things.' No. <laughs> <laughs> and I but love later the, on. Yeah. When they're trying to build the bunk beds, and he's oh. like, "I think we should be focused about the interview tomorrow and focused on your job interview." So it's okay. He goes, I'm not making myself clear. I don't give a fuck. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and I love that scene in the car where he just snaps and tells him to shut the fuck up. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> Richie Jenkins, I think, is one of the most um, underrated actors. He was in The Shape of Water. I think he was nominated. Was he? not? Yes, he was. Yeah, the Shape yeah of Water? I think he was. Yeah, he is. I don't think I've ever seen him give a, and a cabin in the woods. Yeah, he's a oh great my character. God. Cabin
0: in the woods. Cabin in the woods. I mean, you know, obviously the, the, there's that great sort of uh, gif of them dancing. Yes. Um, but oh, it's just it's, it's super, and he, he has this sort of like almost like every every sort of every sort of worn down office worker look. Yep. To him. And I mean, like, you know, when we go back to Step Brothers, they said about you smell of whiskey and cookies. (laughs) He's,
2: I think, I I haven't seen him, I don't think I've seen him give a bad performance. And he's been in independent movies. He's been supporting characters. Was it The Visitor from a few years ago where I think he was the lead? Yeah. And he was tremendous in that movie. Um, Yeah. He's really an, I think, a, Maybe not underrated anymore. I think people know him, you know, because yes. he's he's sort of getting out there. But yet you just don't realize how good he is until you finally just see him in all of these movies and in and, and comedies and westerns and horror. Yes. He does them all justice, you know.
0: but you see him he here, is great in them all. And you see him in the you see him in this and all those characters are gone. Right. And you were left yes. with and, and you just see chicory. You just right. see the character of Chicory and it's, it's, it's believable. It's, it is. It's,
2: it's, it's, it's brilliant. Yet by the end of the movie, you realize, you know what, this movie had Kurt Russell, this had Patrick Wilson, but Richard Jenkins is probably the lead character. Yeah. He is the one who sort of carries everything through um, uh, in the film. And he's, he's the one at the end who's kind of left to um, uh, see things through and you get the feeling he's going to do exactly that.
0: Yeah, yeah. So for you then, Dave, what's the most the most powerful part of this film? What is the film? What is the what is the mo- the moment for you in this film?
2: The moment for me, and like I was saying, I've,
0: I've already talked about a few of them in a
2: few lines. Um, uh, you know, like the, the line delivered by Richard Jenkins. It is when we are first in the cave and we realize what this tribe, quote yeah. unquote, truly is, because we realize at the same time. Kurt Russell and Richard Jenkins realize
1: Mm, that
2: for me is the key scene in the movie. As much as I love the Western portions of the film. And I really do. It's when we finally realize that what these guys have been, it's almost like they've been marching to their doom without knowing they're marching to their doom. Once they realize what they're up against. Yeah. And they even say that when, when, you know, when, when Patrick Wilson's wife says you left the trail for him to come here and Curl's like, well, we couldn't
0: have known. There's no way we could have known. No, and there's no way, how would you ever know?
2: How what would you're you ever know yet? Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That for
2: me is because that is is when, like I said, the horror is bookended. Yeah. And I love the Western sequences, but that's when it's now back in horror territory, is when they're in that cave.
0: So is there anything in this that didn't quite work for you? I don't you know what i don't I don't know, I don't think so
2: i there was nothing yeah. in it for me. I can't think of anything at this point. I think every character sort of played it as I figured their character would Patrick Wilson's character being as driven as he was, he's going yeah. to ignore his bad leg, yeah um, and basically doom the posse <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> by, by, yeah by by tagging yeah. along, yeah. Matthew Fox's character remained like the smartest one in the room at all times. Yeah. Um, Richard Jenkins is, is childlike. Kurt Russell is the John Wayne of this. I can't think of anything. um, No, I can't think of anything that I, that I would have changed. I like that. you never really know how this tribe got the way they are. Yes. That doesn't matter because now it's our characters are facing off against them. That does. So it's not really that important. How did they get that way? Yeah, that's that's the unknown. That's that's the Michael Myers of the first Halloween.
0: We don't know how this
2: happened.
1: Yeah,
0: but now they have to deal with it. But don't you find that the monster always has far more power when we don't know?
2: Absolutely. There's no doubt about it. When we don't know, when we're listening to Loomis in the first Halloween, say, I I spent, you know, how many years trying to reach him? And then the next 10 trying to keep him locked away forever because there's nothing but pure evil. Yeah, behind his eyes, it's it that and that is always more terrifying. Just like in the first Black Christmas, with yes. with um with with Billy, you don't know why he's that way, and that is just like it is terrifying because there it's the unknown, and that's what it is in this film. We don't know anything about this tribe. We don't know how many thousands of years it took for them to evolve into what they are. Yeah, you know, but here you are here here they are they are monsters and now you have to deal with them.
0: Absolutely you know what that that is spot on. Do you know what one of the things that I also love about this film is the lack of music
2: Right there's no real you don't get that dramatic sort of build of music at any scene it's just playing out as if we're tagging along with the characters you know there's no music telling us how we should feel we just react to what happens.
0: Yeah and I mean what it's sort of there is none of that sort of. You get a little bit where you sort of you, you sort of see the desperation build in for Patrick mm-hmm. Wilson's character when he's trying to catch up with them. You get yes. a little bit, and then we get a little bit of a like a sort of a sinister drone um, just before um, sort of Kurt Russell's and Richard Jenkins and uh, Matthew Fox's characters before their plan goes completely pear shaped. Right. We get a right. little bit of. But other than that, it is all um, it's all total diegetic sound it's every, mm-hmm. you know you, you, the the crickets chirping yeah the, and then you and i know it sounds bizarre but the silence
2: and then the silence and then you hear that the howl yes from the distance and that we that you come to figure out from the first scene we know that it has something to do with these native american this tribe it, that when you hear that howl they're around
0: yes it is and
2: you, they're going to strike quick and you're
0: not you may not see them yeah absolutely and and again it's that it's that combination of the lack of the you don't get the you know the classic somebody playing a cello on the beach in jaws moment um, right you know that sort of we don't get that the, the jump scare what no, we get you is don't. is this really visceral violent react, you know reaction from 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 these from this from these cave dwellers and then we mm-hmm. get the violent reaction from you know, from the from the Western, from the Westerners, it yep. is that it's a very you know it's a this film is brutal on it, it a number really of is. levels.
2: I mean, you're even thinking of like the final scene with um, Matthew Fox. Yeah, and that's another line that I thought was was really key because he says, you know, he knows he's a going, He says, "This is my spot. Yeah, this, this is my spot." Um, and and he tells him, "Just give me some dynamite." And, um, you know, cause it, it's, it's, you get the, the characters in this movie, you know, when you think about some, some of the, um, you go to the classic Westerns and you think about when a main character is the demise or in a war film, they get to deliver a little bit of a speech or they get to, you know, yeah. the son. none of what anybody says in that moment in this film to me rang untrue.
1: No, no.
2: As if it was somebody scripting something thinking, boy, wouldn't it be cool if they said this, but even, even Kurt Russell's line what he says to richard jenkins that you that you alluded to is like say goodbye to my wife and i'll say hello yeah. to yours it just sounded like something kurt russell's character would say it yes. doesn't it doesn't sound like a scriptwriter thinking i just thought of a great line let me put it in there
0: and you don't get that it's, moment do you have somebody in the, you know the classic war film where somebody's going oh when i get back to new york i'm going to have a hot dog and i'm going to kiss yeah. kiss my girl and pow, somebody exactly. blows the and that's it and yeah. that's the end
2: of them, right no, you don't get that. If you think about it, there's the scene where when Matthew Fox does finally, you know, meet his demise, how quickly it plays out—just arrow, 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 yeah. arrow. And Richard Jenkins gets a little bit shaved off his scalp. Yeah, but, um, uh, Kurt Russell gets yeah. an injury in his shoulder. You know, and but it's like in the blink of an eye. Yeah, you don't. You don't even see this happening. You just see the um, quick shots, and you just see the results of it. And you're like, wow, these things are moving at an incredible speed. These, these, these troglodytes. Um, But you're right. It doesn't play out with dramatic music. There's no cue. It's going to happen. It's like, it's a jump scare that's earned. It's not like a typical jump scare. It's a jump scare that's earned because. Yeah. There's no no cat in the cupboard. it's, It's organic with the story.
0: Yes. There's no cat in the cupboard.
2: Right, yes, there's no cat screeching as you open a door of a cupboard or yeah. open a door in a cupboard or going down the stairs or whatever. Every cat screech in every movie that you ever, you ever want to see. No, fortunately, no cats in this one. <laughs> and no, and, and it's the jump scares in this one are just, they're just because of part of the natural story and it's happening to characters we care about is what makes them jump scares.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the what I did wince um, where... Kurt Russell uses the the bone tomahawk and cuts the like the big like uh trotter cuts the half
2: the foot, foot off. off. Yes. Oh. <laughs> that was a yes. I mean that was one of many difficult moments oh. in that scene, you know? Yeah. I mean because Richard Jenkins is like, "Oh, he's the ah oh, the, the the you know, what does he say? The um uh what does he call him? He, you know, he can't he doesn't know it's a repeater. He
0: doesn't know how yeah, to yeah, it uh, with the uh, rifle. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And then he works it out. Savage. He goes, the <laughs> yeah. savage
2: doesn't know how to do it. And then he's slowly working it out and accidentally shoots it. Yeah. And you just kinda and it, that's so painful because you're like, Oh my God, is it gonna play out? Oh, he might get out of this. Oh no, what well, okay, is it's Kurt, he figured you, out the rifle and he, oh no. He's got and, his foot know. on
0: his throat and you're thinking, Oh it's Kurt yes. Russell, he's gonna like flip him over now and he's right. get, and and then he doesn't. Exactly. Exactly. It's because it's Kurt Russell's death
2: in this movie plays out it's so long. It's so prolonged and you don't actually see the final, but what happens to him, what finally dooms him, it's so prolonged. And you're like, is it going to happen? Is this, is he, he going to, and then finally it ends up happening by pure accident. Yeah. With, with this, with, with this, um, with this troglodyte as to what happens. Um, not what they do initially with the flask there. That was all planned out. Um, but where he puts the rifle right after that, before he realizes yeah. that it's not firing anymore, you're just like, oh,
0: God. <laughs> <laughs> and then, we, you know, we get that sort of moment, you know, at the end where you hear the three gunshots.
2: Yes. And you realize that there might only be three of them left. Is what everybody's assuming. Yes. There's only three of them left, and you hear the shots in the distance. And, um, you know, they, they uh, Richard Jenkins' character sort of smiles at that point. And, yeah. Um, you know, perfect, perfect way to end the movie.
0: I think. I think so. I think so. I mean, oh, this is you know, it is, it is a brutally beautiful, exhausting film.
2: Yeah, it really is. You, it is. You're going to be you're going to be worn out by the end of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think you know there is, there is something magical about a western. Mm-hmm. But taking. Taking the sort of you know, I mean, Peckinpah did it really well, and made the Western you know with the Wild Bunch and with we Packard. Yes, you know, taking it to that sort of real gritty. And I don't know, you know, there are other films that came before. Took it to that sort of darker place. Well,
2: he did. He he took the real vice. Sam Peckinpah, in a lot of ways, it's it's funny because I, this is the same thing with Tom Savini. Tom Savini was. Uh, was in the war. And I think he might've been a photographer in the war and he saw real violence. Yeah. Sam Peckinpah was the same thing. He was a photographer during, during the, I don't know if it was the Korean conflict. I'm not sure which one it was. I don't think it was world war II. Maybe it was, but he was there and he saw what real violence was. So when he made his Westerns, he's like, I don't want a guy to, you know, to be laying there. You don't see any blood and and delivering a three minute final speech before (laughs) he finally bows his head and dies. That's not violence. And you think of that whole final sequence in the wild bunch. you know what happens in that and there are moments in like you're saying pat garrett and billy the kid my my all-time favorite scene is the one with um katie gerato and slim pickens when they ride out to to confront lq jones and and then because you got so much happening in that one scene that's like perfect peckinpah to me yeah so he shows real violence i mean this is like this is not the West of of John Ford and John Wayne. As much as I love those movies, yeah. Yeah. this is not that West. And there or is Howard no Howard Hawks or any of them.
0: There's no jumping on the covered wagon. There right. is, you know, the cavalry doesn't show up.
2: Exactly. There there's none of that. This is this is like this is the West as it. Probably was as this is, this is more in line of Sam Peckinpah's West, yeah. and it is with John Ford's West. There's beauty in it, and there was beauty in the Wild Bunch too. Let's see. Oh, just, so yeah. Sam Peckinpah was—he um, is my all-time favorite director, and uh, I talk about—I talked about this on a um, uh, a recent episode. Uh, my my—it hasn't been released yet. My most recent uh, episode of DVD Infatuation podcast. Yeah. I talk about my favorite directors. And Peck and Paul is one of them, and it's, I read a biography of him, and he really was—he was an outdoorsman. He loved to hunt. He mm. loved the He loved the, his, his grandfather had a ranch that him and his brother grew up on, and he loved that outdoor life. He learned how to, have, you know, like the, the roping and everything. Yeah. Um, but he had an artistic side too, that he was a little embarrassed of because. And his sister even says his adopted sister Fern Lee. I remember in the book she says, mm. "In my family, by God, men were men." So Sam Peckinpah had an artistic side that his mother had nurtured. Yeah. So he had this sort of conflict within him, of, of of this macho against this artistic side, and when he made a movie, they both came out. You would see them in his best movies, in The Wild Bunch, in um, A Ride to High Country. Oh. And in um, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, which has its flaws because he was starting to get drift into the alcoholism and the drugs yeah. by the time he made Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid. Yeah. It, for me, his two two. I mean, Wild Bunch is his masterpiece and Ride the High Country is, yeah. is a damn close second. You see that in those movies, there are beautiful moments and there are just straight up you know, um, straight up Western moments Yes. of gunfights and, and, and the characters just uh, being ruthless. And yet, I mean, the, the whole scene of, in the wild bunch where they're walking, where the, the four of oh. them are walking to get to their friend and they realize that they're probably walking to their doom. They were originally just as supposed to show up. Sam Peckinpah goes to his, uh, cinematographer and goes, I want to do a walking thing and developed that whole sequence right there of them walking past life going on as usual in this town and just walking towards it. And he developed all that right at the moment. And that's Sam Peckinpah's, that's what he did. He would give you the brutality of the West and he would give you the art of the West and combine the two of them.
0: And I got to be honest, I think, I think it's fair to say that uh, Craig Zahala has managed... To he has that. he has he has
2: managed to capture that same thing you see um you can you see the strength of a western in, in this in this town and the sheriff and and the beauty of yes. the landscape even when they're out and, and what they're dealing with they're not dealing with you know they're, they're dealing with some pretty awful things but yet it's beautiful at the same time yes and then he takes it to a level that peck and paul never did peck and paul's brutality was just set within the western you know w- yes. within a Western, whereas, whereas Uh, was it Craig Sahala? Yeah. Takes it and puts it in a horror film. Yes. You know, he takes it and keeps the, the brutality of the Western, but then gives it that horror spin at the end.
0: So, Dave, so we're wrapping this bad boy up. Yep. How would you score this one out of 10?
2: I would have to go, and this is only my second viewing, and I am going to watch it again. I would have to say it at nine to a nine point five. I'm going to say nine at this point out of ten. Yeah. I don't really have anything that's keeping it from being a nine point five, except I've only seen it twice. I mean, and I think yeah. that's something I want to see again, but it's obviously for me. I have it on Blu-ray. I'm thrilled <sighs> to have it on Blu-ray that I can watch it at any yeah. time. And if you can find it, definitely buy. This is a buy. This is one that you're going to want to watch, you know, yeah. multiple times.
0: For me, it's an. It, it, you know, I think this is going to be a ten eventually. I think mm-hmm. you know, um, it's you know, it, it, it's a nine. It, it's a nine for me. Yeah. Um, but I think eventually it's going to be a ten, and it'll be it one of those films well that, be, yeah. that'll find its way into my top. Definitely within my top five films, possibly. Um, because it's it's yep. it's it, 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 it's magnificent. It is magnificent. It, it,
2: it absolutely is. I mean, if you're thinking of horror westerns, and I, I tried to think of a few, and I, The Burrowers is the one that's the best example, I think. Yeah. This one's better than The Burrowers. As much as I love The Burrowers, this one's a better film. The other ones that are considered sort of horror westerns are like John Carpenter's Vampires and Near Dark, yeah. which I love, yeah. but they're modern westerns. Yes, yes. This yes. is a classic western horror film. Yeah. Which The Burrowers is, is, too, but Bone Tomahawk, I think, is the better movie.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think, you know, th- there are sort of modern um, horror westerns, like you said, Near Dark. Um, I love Near Dark. I think it's just... I do, too. I, I think it's a magnificent Near, film.
2: Near Dark, um, you know, when you think about that, uh, the 80s and the vampire films that came out, the, the ones that yeah. get the most attention are The Lost Boys and Fright Night, which I love. yeah. But Near Dark, I think, might be the best of the three. Absolutely.
0: Oh, I, I am with you with that 100%. Um, yeah. However, I have a real soft spot for Sundown the uh, with uh, David Carradine, where... Um, I don't think I've seen Sundown. Um, it, it might be a different name in the US, um, but essentially it's where there's a town of vampires... Sundown uh,
2: the vampire in retreat. Yes. Is that what it
0: is? That's the one. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: And I don't I have not seen that. That's it. You said it has David Carradine. It does. Um nice. and essentially what they what they have is um these they've created wooden bullets. Um stakes. It it's like a, yeah.
2: like their version of a steak. Yeah. Nice.
0: Yeah, it is um you know, and Bruce Campbell pops up in it. Um, it is a ridiculous film. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh is in it. Um, I am looking at it here. I actually own it,
2: and I have never seen it. Uh, I can watch it. I can. I can actually watch it. And and you know what? Now that you're talking to me about it, I am going to definitely watch this. It movie.
0: is gloriously silly on every level. I oh, that's l- awesome! I love it. I love it. It is just... That is
2: awesome. Yeah, I see David Carradine, Bruce Campbell. Yeah. uh, John Ireland, is it? And Emmett Walsh. Yeah. There he is.
0: Yeah, honestly, it is well worth it. It is well worth it. It is a total hot mess of a film, but it is wonderful. I absolutely... And I remember stumbling across it in the video store, and the cover... um, just sort of like you had sort of vampires and, and cowboys. It was like, my God, why is this not one? Why is this not one an Oscar? Um, wow. but yeah, you know, nice. Well, yeah, this has definitely moved to the
2: top. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to see this. And the fact that I, the, uh, well, the fact that I own it and haven't seen it doesn't mean a damn thing, <laughs> but the fact that I own it is exciting because now I can watch it. I can go in and watch it whenever I want. That's awesome. And I'm looking at it. Yeah. Actually the cover of the DVD I just see Bruce, it says Bruce Campbell on the front of it, actually. I guess they're promoting Bruce Campbell in it, and then you see sort of vampires flying against the moonlight in the back. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. Beautiful. So, so, uh, Mr. Becker, where can the good people find you? Ah,
2: okay. That, um... Over at uh, my blog is dvdinfatuation.com. I am still posting reviews. I had, uh, you know, did my twenty five hundred uh, movie reviews, which I finished back in May of twenty eighteen. I believe
0: that it was. Still blows my mind how you did that. It just I, uh, wow.
2: Well, thank you. And I tell you what, it's it's it, it kind of blows my mind too. I started it in twenty ten um, because I wanted to write reviews, and every time I would put some together. I just never took it any further. And finally I said, okay, you know what, I want to review. And I picked a number, I set it on 2,500 and I said, I just want to do it. Um, I wanted to do 2,500 in 2,500 days. I had a couple health issues where I ended up in the hospital and I couldn't do it, but I did get, you know, the first one happened in the first, like I got to like hundred, 200 or something. And then I had to go to the hospital. But after that I did 1,680 days in a row with a review. Which I'm proud of. And I didn't get to the 2,500, but I did get 1,600 in some days. I don't know how many years that is. Five, almost (laughs) over five years of every day of the year posting a new review, um, which I was thrilled with until I finally did finally get to 2,500. But I'm still posting new ones. I still have new reviews that I'm, uh, you know, once a week, I post a new review uh, every Thursday on DVDinfatuation.com. Um, on Twitter at DVD infatuation, I have a Facebook, uh, I'm on Facebook as well. Um, Instagram, I'm on Letterboxd. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel that uh, has a few videos out there. I don't have a lot out there, but I have a few out there right now. And I'm hoping to add a few more, uh, in the near future. Um, other podcasts, I have my, uh, DVD infatuation podcast, which, J uh, J Jay, Jay of the dead, Jason piles has. Host on his Considering the Cinema, and he does more than that. He actually produces it for me. He edits it for me. Oh, wow. Um, and thank God he does, because I just don't know how to do any
1: of that stuff.
2: <laughs> um, but he has been gracious enough to host it and and put it on Considering the Cinema, and I thank him for that. Uh, and uh, two other horror podcasts. I am on... Um, uh, Land of the Creeps with Greg Mortis and Bill Van Vagel. And I am on, of course, Horror Movie Podcast. We were lucky enough this year to win the Joe Bob Briggs' uh, Silver Bolo Award. Oh, wow. Which was awesome. Um, and that is with Gilman Joel and Wolfman Josh. And I actually have a new venture coming up. I'm uh, going to be recording with Nathan Bartleball. We are going to, and I think it's going to be more of a, a segment on his Phantom Galaxy, his sci-fi um, podcast, where we're going to be talking about animated films,
1: Excellent. which I'm
2: very excited uh, to be uh, delving into. Um, uh, one, you know, because I usually talk horror a lot of it, except for DVD Infatuation. I'm usually, you know, been a horror podcaster since 2010. So it's a little bit of um, something a little bit different, but also there's just so much in animation. Once you delve into it, you realize mm. just how deep it truly is. Um, and I'm really looking forward to that venture as well.
0: Dave, it is always a pleasure for you to be on. I am so grateful. Uh, and, I, I and I'm a massive a fan, time. massive well, fan.
2: Thank you so much. That's great. But I have an awesome time and I look forward to coming back on again. You know, so the, the, the door
0: few... is always open.
2: Perfect. Thank you. I, that's that's great. It was it was a blast. Um, I always have I always enjoy podcasting and I, I have a great time on the undead uh wookie podcast thank you so much for having me on and i look forward to um to next time
0: the door is wide open my friend and i'm sure we'll, i'm sure we'll find something that we can uh that we'll be able to discuss dave i again, hope so thank you so much for being on you take care my friend. take care now. thank
2: you yes thank you very much you too sir
0: as always i want to say a very very special guest thank you to my co-host on this one dave you're just a, you are a legend sir thank you so much for being on um it's always a pleasure i can't wait for you to come back um just just a, just an awesome awesome guest thank you so much okay up next we have got what the wookie watched and first up we have got the pale door from 2020 let's check out the trailer <laughs>
1: Is a goddamn thing. Who are you?
0: My name is Pearl. Well, there goes our big payday. She's just an innocent woman. We
1: ain't gonna sell her anything. We do. If you take me to my home, there would be a handsome reward. This way to the brothel, gentlemen. Please make yourselves at home. Some for these handsome men. Don't be afraid. What just happened? We gotta get out of this too. We need to find our
0: no way out of this. We're going go down swinging. Let's
1: go! Ah!
0: Following a train robbery that goes not quite to plan, a group of trained robbers find that they uh, have captured not quite loot or gold or money but something uh, a little more than they bargained for and very soon they find themselves having to uh, fend off a coven of evil witches. Um, The Pale Door was directed by Aaron B. Koontz. It was written by Cameron Burns and Aaron B. Koontz along with Keith Lansdale. Uh, It stars Mallory Walters, Zachary... um, Knighton, stan shaw bill sage uh, devon druid and natasha Bessett. um this wasn't a bad mashup actually for a western and a horror um some solid performance here we've got um in particularly from natasha Bassett or Bessett, i suppose um and bill sage um with the latter kind of invoking some uh, bruce campbell vibes um uh, even kind of looks a bit like bruce campbell at times um the practical effects in this are good uh with uh, the witches when they sort of uh switch over into the sort of demonic sort of form looking pretty impressive um pildor has more than a touch of from Dust till dawn about it um that being said there are several misfires in this film i think this some of this is down to um some plot points not being fully explained and not being really explored um also, the ending feels a little bit messy, um, and I don't think they make the best use of Bill Sage, who's a tremendous character actor. Um, however, I really enjoyed this film. I thought it's really good, solid horror western, and um, I would give this one five point five out of ten. Okay, next up we have got Gallowwalkers from two thousand and twelve. Let's check out the trailer. You remember me.
1: The X-Swings, the loose titans. That's it. Out here, they come back. Hard to kill. The way I finish them, rip out their heads.
0: You never forget the man who kills you for the first time. First time is always special. We die, we come back. You call us Gallo Walkers.
2: That good or was that a lucky shot?
1: Lucky for you. So now I owe you. Now you owe me. They know who I am. You want him to come to finish it here, where it all began. <laughs> Thought you wanted me dead. Well, that ain't what it used to be.
0: Okay, that was the trailer for Gallow Walkers from 2012. Uh, This is about a... You've got a... It's a bit of a convoluted plot, I suppose. But the best way to describe it is... Wesley Snipes plays a cursed gunman... ...who seeks revenge uh, on the group of men... ...who were responsible for the rape of the woman he loved... um, ...after shooting them dead... Uh, They come back, uh, only this time they are harder to kill. Um, The plot line also involves Wesley Snipes' character also being cursed. And the only way that you can kill these, um, I suppose, revenants um, is by decapitating them. And this story um, is a simple revenge tale. Um, It's very, very convoluted. Very, very convoluted. This was directed by Andrew Goth. It was written by Joanne Ray and Andrew Goth. It stars, of course, Wesley Snipes, uh, Kevin Howarth, uh, Riley Smith, Taint Phoenix Copley, uh, Patrick Bergen. Yeah, pops up in this. Very, very small cameo. Uh, and uh, the great DDP of DDP Yoga uh, fame. DDP, of course, stands for Diamond Dallas Page, former WCW and WWE wrestler. And... Um, this film was filmed during the mist uh, um, the midst of wesley Snipes' legal issues going way back uh in the mid 2000s um shot in south africa and the locations are great and, and the, at times this film looks very very um looks very very good however um the plot is overly complicated um it's quite jarring as it's told in different flashbacks it's not handled very very well um the performances are rather stiff. Um, you never really grow to like any of the characters. Um, and you find that you don't really care about any of them. Um, yeah, it, it's a real shame, this one, because I really hate, ba- I really hate bad mouth in a film and, and sort of, not bad mouth in it, but sort of not liking it because I really wanted to. It's got a really, really cool premise, but I think it could have done with, you know, um, it could I think the story needed a lot of work Um, Wesley Snipes is a great actor but we don't get to see the best of him here Um, I think sadly this was a real opportunity missed for this film Um, and it's a bit of a hot mess this was a real struggle to get to to the end Um, for me it's a 3 out of 10 Okay, next up, I want to pay a little bit of attention to a short film that's recently been released uh, by a friend of the show, MJ Dixon, and his uh, company, Maiko. Um It's called The in Veil, vale, and it is superb. It is absolutely brilliant. And I know he's a friend of the show. People say you're biased and everything else. Couldn't Care Less is my show. However, I can tell you this right now. It is outstanding. I love this. Um, the story of The Thin in Veil is set on the one time of year where um, the veil between the living and the dead is at its thinnest and a young woman is seeking answers from her recently deceased husband. Um, It was written and directed by MJ. Um, It was produced by Anna Dixon. Um, There was an associate producer, was Hill Burton. Uh, It was co-produced by Luna Wolf, Sarah and Martin Heuser. Um, I do apologise if I am pronouncing your last name wrong. Um, It stars um, Lisa Keast, Tatiana Eber and Martin Heuser. This is exactly what you want from uh from a short horror film. Um, it's got a great setup, it has got excellent execution, um, it's got superb performances from the cast. Um this story invokes um in really, really, you know, pun intended, the spirit of M.R. James. Um this is a must see. And you'll be able to catch its premiere at the horror on sea festival um you can support this uh, film and Maiko over on their patreon page um but you should if your opportunity arises you really really should check this out because it is absolutely superb i loved it um it's really really well done i won't go into too many details because i really don't want to um spoil it for you but it's got some it's got it's got a really great scare in it and i loved it i thought it was absolutely superb um the as always with uh with mj's films you get excellent um use of color um this is really well done it's very well set up i i thought it was this is this is really good stuff so you get the opportunity go and check it out so my friends our time has drawn to an end once again i know i know time uh as the rocky horror would say is fleeting uh, <laughs> and madness certainly has um taken its toll here as always i want to say a huge thank you to everybody who has liked followed uh, us on twitter on instagram and on facebook thank you so much i i genuinely appreciate it um, once again i want to say thank you to dave for being on just just an awesome just an awesome guy and a fabulous co-host um really enjoyed recording this episode so once again thank you uh, don't forget like i said you can find us over on twitter instagram facebook give us a shout give us a follow and if you're really really feeling generous please go over to itunes and give us a uh, um, a five-star review—that would be fabulous. I'd really, really appreciate that. Um, don't forget, you can find us on SoundCloud and Podbean, or wherever else you get your cast your, your podcasts. So, all that is left for me to say, in the immortal words of Count Dracula: "Good night out there, whatever you are."